Welcome to an episode of No Politics, Just Music. The aim of this show is to talk about albums, bands, and music more generally. I hope you enjoy expletives and foul language. Take two. Today you join us and we're going to talk about a big Modest Mouse album from 2004 and an album that my friend Chris has recommended. How's it going, Chris? <laughs> you know it's fucking going. Just angry, as usual. Or a little bit <laughs> agitated. Um, well, no, we've already previously discussed this before you uh, started the recording. It's all right, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll humour you. I'm fine, thanks, mate. You never really are. And you always get angry when I ask you that question. Stupid question, isn't it? How are you? Oh. You don't really care, do you? I, I do, mate. You're actually one of my, one of my mates. <laughs> yeah, I like how you carefully chose what you said then. You're <laughs> one of my best n- mates? You're one of my mates? <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to put a ranking on it because other people might get jealous. And... Yeah, that's the point, actually, yeah. All right. I'm fine, thank you, Jim. How are you? Yeah, mate. I'm complaining. Can I complain? Yes, you can. Yeah, it's a good point. I always can complain, but we're doing a podcast, so I'm not going to complain. Um, uh, so, you sent me an album by Public... What do you call it? Public Broadcasting. Public Service Broadcasting. Public Service Broadcasting, which is one of the least, least sexy band names of all time. Yeah. I listened to the album. But, yes, how many times? Twice. Okay. Once. Did you find it emotive? Before. What's that? Did you find it emotive? Did it, did it draw out any emotion, Jim? No. No, I imagine it didn't, but you've got no soul. They call me the robot. <laughs> I'll show you how the circuitry works. Oh, oh kinky. Um, um, Alright. I enjoyed the album. As a concept album, it was um, interesting. There's a lot of different things going on. Not only sonically. Obviously, the main thing going on is that they're using recordings from the space ring. I, I'm, not sure if, I'm not sure I'd agree that that's the main thing going on. Is it not? What's the, what's the title of the album? No, but I mean, I don't think the recording is the, the the biggest thing that's going on. I think it's easy to get drawn in on just the recordings because I think when we listen to something, especially a song nowadays, we need lyrics and we need words to kind of associate with it. You know, I, I think for me, I think that actually takes something away from some of the songs. See, I would disagree because in the previous episode, you'll hear me and Johan talk about how we never actually listened to the lyrics. I think they were more just melodies that we could listen to. And th- I think the melodies are an easy entry point to it. I agree with that, but I don't think the lyrics themselves are important. No, not the lyrics, but I think a lot of people rely on words to help them understand the songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought you were about to say something incredibly stupid then, but that's all right. I think Jimi Hendrix did this really well. Like he could, when he played guitar, he could make it tell a story as opposed to just play a melody. Sure, but he's Jimi Hendrix. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he's amazing, but but I think with with the um, with this album, the Race for Space, sometimes the broadcasting or like the uh, the broadcasters they use or the the clips they use make it a bit too obvious what they're trying to say. For me, sometimes all they need is is the title, and then let the the people listening to it kind of work out. Oh, well, this is obviously about this, or because yeah, I think given given the concept and given the title of the songs, you can work out the events, and and it almost like. Well, for me, anyway, I liked it because it, it made me try and research or try and understand what these major parts were that they were trying to present to you. But yeah, I don't know, maybe that's just what I liked about it. I say the main thing going on in there is the recordings. And one of the reasons I say that is because they take up a lot of space. I know nothing about production quality, so I'm not sure if they take up a lot of space sonically. They take up a lot <laughs> of space in terms of like concentration. Like, if you listen to it, that's where you'll get drawn to. And which is a shame because sometimes, like musically, there's a lot of stuff happening. Mm. And I could listen to this album three or four more times and still be finding new things in it. Yeah, and th- I think this is kind of, I think that kind of supports with what I was saying. That sometimes it gives a little bit too much. And yeah, maybe in saying that, I mean it kind of draws your attention away a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. 
But I, yeah, I guess that's their that's their concept. But it, it's almost like if you listen to the their previous album and the album that followed this, it is a bit of a um, it is a bit of a, a kind of a progression. Mm-hmm. That the first album was very novelty and they used like so many different what, what's the word I'm looking for like uh, clips, voiceovers, whatever. They used it just a bit too much and it was just a bit of a uh, yeah, a bit of like oh that's that's a nice album, but there's nothing really going on there. So they don't. This is a bit deeper. Yeah, they, they definitely dialed it back and then even further in the next one. But yeah. They're talented musicians. Oh, yeah. I can't play guitar like that. No, and I think what I like about it is that they, they're just trying to do different stuff. Like, It's almost like it, it could be a movie score, the way they, they kind of present the songs. In a similar way, not too dissimilar from a cinematic orchestra. Don't know them. They, they, they're a lot, more, a lot slower and a lot more melancholy, melancholy but... It's also, you know, trying to do, trying to make music that's emotive rather than just trying to make a catchy tune. There are a few catchy tunes in here. I guess every album needs those, doesn't it? Well, I can think of some albums without them. Because, I mean, the songs are quite long on this. And there's only, what, nine? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I think there's nine. Because I have heard parts of this album before. Oh, you have? Yeah, it must have been when we were living together. Definitely. Because I remember the song Go. Because um, Radio, uh, Radio 6 champions them quite a lot. So yeah, you would have heard that one in there. Is that how you discovered them? Yeah. Well, no, it was, it was through somebody who was telling me to listen to Radio 6 and telling me that he listened to these guys on there and really likes them and then, yeah. So they kind of go hand in hand. I've tried uh, listening to Radio 6, obviously living in the UK now and working from home. My boss usually puts it on Radio 2. Mm-hmm. It's all right, but I prefer Radio 6. But yeah. it's just a bit too eclectic for me. It is, but I think if you stick with it, you realise it's not. It's actually quite narrow because it i don't know it's like the most popular songs of the alternative actually that, that's not so true but it's like the alternative scene it just kind of skims the surface of that yeah. and plays the most radio friendly songs during the day anyway at night it doesn't but if you listen to it you know day after day it becomes very repetitive and you you know the artists and you know who they want right. to push okay. on you and who they don't want to touch at all but yeah i thought the same thing it just seems like a complete hash of music which is but nice sometimes yeah like, there was I think a, it's just a hash of music you don't know. There was a radio station back when I was in New Zealand. It was a student one. There's only a crush. But they played, they just played whatever they wanted. And it was kind mm-hmm. of nice because you'd go from like Rage Against the Machine would be followed by almost Angus and Julia Stone. And it was it was really jarring sometimes. But they just played yeah, it is. whatever uh, they uh, wanted. And so this was obviously a bit more bigger hits because you, you know, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, Designer, yeah. all the sort of, all that rock and metal music. But then... Lots of uh, rap, hip hop, uh, then New Zealand dub and roots music as well. But I think when you when you hear songs like that all jammed together, it makes you realise actually being a producer or being a DJ is actually quite skillful because it really stands out when two songs sit next to each other that don't really go together. And they can even be from which the is same kind of the problem. Yeah, well, all the same band, which is the problem I've got with your album. Well, not your album. You didn't make it, unless you're not telling me something. What? Yeah. What? What else? What else can we say about? Um, Public service broadcasting album. I, I certainly liked the album, but I, I didn't get an emotive response from it, as you put it. So you, you didn't feel like you were, you were being taken on a journey. No. You didn't feel no. like, you know, from from the first uh, from the first speech of uh, of JFK when he when he's talking about this amazing feat they've got and about the the climbing mountains and like why do you want to why do you want to climb the mountains or because they're there and he's like oh well the moon and the stars are there we want to see them too and then and then Sputnik starts and it, it's about. Like you can hear all that, that mechanics. You know, it, it feels like you're in a factory, stuff being built, and the bleeping of the uh, of the satellite, and kind of getting you into that feeling that, that progress is is happening and change is starting. No, and then I mean, no, no. I, I got that 
I guess from the first speech, I was like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Because I, while I say I'd heard one of these songs before, I'd never heard of this band or anything like that. And so mm. as soon as I heard that first speech, I was like, oh, I think I know what's going to happen here. We're going to go on a journey through the space. And then having studied international relations, I have a rough idea of how the space race worked mm. and the main events. So I was already projecting forward. And I was like, oh, yeah. how, how are they going to fill in these gaps? Or how are they going to you know, tick off these key points? Yeah, I think, interestingly enough, they, they managed to do it apolitically. Yes. Because it was a very much political event, but they did it from human progress, from that perspective. Like, you can't tell which songs, like, apart from the names, but they don't really suggest, oh, okay, this is the American victory or the Russian victory, anything like that. It's just, yeah, just events. They could have used more Russian recordings. Yeah, yeah, I guess. All right, that's uh, that's a point. Very much a... Uh, yeah, I think they're all American recordings, right? For me, it was very much from the American view. Like, so you had this sort of, like, obviously around Sputnik. When did that go? We had this in the quiz, 57? When that... Sure. Uh, ...orbited the Earth, and all the Americans were like, holy shit, the Russians have got something in space. It doesn't matter if it's a football yeah. it beat, but mm. I guess it's, you know, when nothing's ever been in space, nothing's ever left the Earth's atmosphere, and the Russians put put something in there that it would be scary. And so it, I kind of got that there. But, yeah, I don't think... I didn't see much from the Russian side, like how the Russians felt about the actual landing on the moon. And yeah, maybe maybe for them, being um, being British, it would have been a bit difficult like finding Russian recordings without the help of a full Russian team of... Because sure. they, they, they find them all themselves. Yeah. And they piece them together as well as creating the music. Like It must be a, a monumental effort. It's not just... You know, it's a full research team. Yeah. Full, full research project. Yeah, it's not a criticism that they don't have Russian stuff there. It's just for me, it was very much from the American perspective. And even if they put Russian stuff in there, I'd be like, "Well, I'm not sure what this is telling me." Yeah, 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 that, yeah that's another point. Uh, but I'm sure they could have worked it in. Yeah, I mean, they definitely would have thought about it. So there was a, a conscious decision why it's not in there. Yeah, they're very obviously very intelligent guys. Um, okay, well, 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 that's that. What's your rating? Give me a score out of one hundred. No, the, so on my spreadsheets out of 10. All right, well, multiply that by a factor of 10. Well, <laughs> but then it, it's still essentially out of 10 because there's no 83s, is it? It's just... <laughs> well, you can stick it in there. All right, go on then. Go on. What's hey, your score out of 10? I just let me open up my spreadsheet and find it. Such a geek. It's the only way you can listen to music, right? You've got to categorize it every time. <laughs> I do not. Or oh, do we do that at the end? Should we, should we review it at the end? Is that how you usually do this? Oh, <laughs> there's not been much structure to these... Um, these oh. recordings so far. Well, prior to the recording, you seemed very organised. Yeah, I, I give off this, what do you call it? I don't even know what you call that. I, my words aren't very An good anymore. air of intelligence? Yeah. No, I've never done that. Okay, alright. Um, let's save it for the end. Okay, alright. So, that, that works with me. So, I sent you good news for people who love bad news by Modest Mouse. And I, my thought was that there are songs on here you really won't like, and there are some songs on here that you will like but I don't think you'll see the album as coherent. Okay, so yeah. Well, I don't think anyone does, do they? Well, I've, I've, or do you? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a very confusing album. To me, it seems like two albums put together, or one and a half albums put together. Like, they had a few songs left over that they just kind of slotted in. So, because this is the album that Modest Mouse sort of broke through with, and before that they were a really alternative band from wherever in, the, in America. And, like, all their album recordings are very... You can. I don't want to use the word amateur because it's not amateur, but it's you know less polished. Yeah, but I mean a lot of alternative bands sound like that, right? You know you don't have super tight compressed drum sounds or everything like this. But anyway, so this album for me, like a lot of it is very polished sounding, 
and that doesn't mm. really work with some of the songs where they're trying to explode and that comes across as quite jarring even though those are generally my more favorite songs on the album so which uh, which songs do you like the best then i first started listening to this album back in 2015 when the sort of more single songs the the ones that were singles drew me into it so the world at large and float on but now i think my favorite song on it probably still is blame it on the tetons but devil's work day i like a lot uh, i can't think of the track listings i can't think of other ones very explode now off the top of my head basically where he goes tom Waits style that, that that's exactly what i thought they just ripped off <laughs> So after Dancehall, they have, um, what is it, B- uh, Bukowski? Yep. Bukowski and Devil's Work, they just sound like two Tom Waits songs they've just ripped off and thrown in there. But that's when it, that's when it starts getting a bit, a bit strange to me. Mm-hmm. Because they have, they have almost three singles at the start. Well, they have this, the horn. I don't like the interludes at all. Yeah. I, I think they had nothing. That horn. And then they start. Then it sounds like they made World at Large and Float On. They even have um, melodies that seem to f- follow in from each other. And I thought, oh, that's very nice. Okay, it's going to be, you know, an album that's going to keep bringing up certain melodies and it's going to take you on a bit of a journey or whatever. Maybe I'm looking for another concept album. but And then they have the, 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 the interlude at Dig Your Grave, another small interlude. And then suddenly it starts getting really dark with Bury Me With It. It starts going a bit, a bit darker. And then they have Dancehall thrown in there, which is almost like a, a post-punk song with a load of screaming, a load of anger. And then it goes all depressing and you're thinking about sipping whiskey with Tom Waits. And then, and then it goes, and then the view is like another one from the start again. It's, it's like it could have followed on from float on. You know, and then they, they float between the two until the end. For me, there's a couple too many tracks on this. So I think the view, Black Cadillacs at one chance could all go. You think so? Yeah. And then from there, I think you'd, they should rearrange the order of the songs. Because I think you could have a sort of progression from the pop songs into the more crazy Tom Waits songs, if that's what you wanted to do, or the other way around, or whatever. And then yes, for like me, the, A and a B side. You, you could have done that. I think, just just for me, I think without the heavy songs, there'd be a lot more coherence. So yeah, without Black Cadillacs and without Dancehall. And I, I think what they were trying to get from, from Dancehall, like, to try and turn it as like the uh, the single, the, the symbol, or the, the point where it's going to start getting a bit darker. I don't think they needed that. They could have gone with... Uh, bury me with it and then straight into Bukowski but I think those the, for me those two heavy songs they were like like we were saying before when a song comes on that doesn't really follow the order but with that one I kind of woke up a little bit and thought what's, what's happening here but yeah I think it could have done with a bit of rearranging and they could have had the shit sandwich couldn't they you know something nice something crap something nice they, 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 they could have had the filler but that Tom Waits bit this kind of dark slower even like this country style that they have in the middle they could have thickened it out a bit and so, then brought out these. I was going to ask you if you like those kind of songs on it. Um, you, I prefer them to, to the pop songs. All right, because I was going to say, you haven't said too many positive things about them, uh, if you're saying they're rip-offs of Tom Waits. Yeah, I'm not much a big Tom Waits fan. I haven't listened much to Tom Waits. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I met this guy a few years back, and he was a big Tom Waits fan. And I didn't really like that guy. Yeah, he was one of those... He was a really weird guy. He was a very like, happy-go-lucky English guy who basically thought he was American. He very much... Had just grown up with so much American culture, and I just didn't really get him. And he, in his house, he had a load of uh, self-help books. I thought, ah, this guy's, this guy's gonna lose it one day. <laughs> He's gonna go off the edge. Yeah, you know, he, he was a couch surfer. I was staying with him through couch surfing. How was he a couch surfer if he had his own books? No, no, no. He had self-help books that he was reading at his place. Oh, and you stayed with him? Yeah, I was couch surfing oh, with him, okay. and he, and he's like, you know, we're going out drinking and having a good time, and you know, he, he, he's like 
so into traveling and all this stuff but then really you go into his place and you see seven or eight too many self-help books you know one okay that's fine <laughs> when you've got eight or nine of them you know um and i just started to think actually and then with this guy's music taste just listening to loads of tom waits and loads of depressing stuff i thought yeah he's taping it together yeah he is, isn't he yeah with very thin cheap tape <laughs> yeah <laughs> passing over the cracks yeah exactly yeah i wasn't yeah i didn't think you'd i'm not sure why i sent you this album in the end oh no, well you know what i've i've very much enjoyed doing this because it's i was saying to somebody the other day like how it's annoying these days that you don't get any unless you really dig into an album you don't get any sense of what they're trying to do with the album mm-hmm. it's just noise and there's so much music out there that you never actually spend time on one album anymore well i don't no i found the same i've been listening to instead of listening to bbc radio 6 i've been listening to heaps of albums and putting them into my spreadsheet Mm-hmm. So since mid-April, I've listened to 300 albums. Oh, nice. But, you know, like I don't have a deep insight into many of those albums. And all the ones that I've given really high rating have been albums that I've listened to previously. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like, if I hear an album for the first time, I'll be like, oh, that's cool. But I have no idea really what's going on, especially if I'm working, because I can't pay too much attention to it. No, it's just background noise. So I think at some point there's going to have to be... I just go through all the ones that I haven't listened to before but gave a reasonably high rating, which I'm kind of doing now. I think what you need to do is, is start buying physical albums. If you invest money into something, you're going to invest time into it. Yeah. Why does it have to be physical? Because then you've got it, haven't you? You've bought it and you, you can see it and it's there. And you can pick it up and you can look at the uh, the covers and you can read the lyrics. And Are you encouraging me to be one of these vinyl people? I think you need to be, man. I don't want to be one of vinyl people. I'm going to be. Yeah, I know you would. Um... Nah. I, I don't know, my mate had a vinyl player, the guy I lived with, yeah. and some of those albums that he had have become my favourite albums, just because I'd see them on the shelf and I'd be like, I'm going to listen to that one, and I'd just sit there and properly listen to it, but with Spotify I can't do that. I think some albums work really well on vinyl, like if we're saying with, like good news for people who love bad news would be an album I think that could work on vinyl, because if you got rid of some of those songs and fillers, and you created a proper A and B side, mm. that's the kind of thing that works really well on a vinyl. Which is something you can't do on Spotify because it'll just flow through. And there's yeah. no real distinct break between songs. Unless artists started introducing a interlude that was the sound of a vinyl flipping over. <laughs> yeah, but I think Shh. with vinyl, like, because there's a physical act of doing it, it's mm. like a very deliberate thing. Like there's, It's an active thing. There's no You can't just be passive to it. One of the reasons why I'm not too keen on getting vinyl is that it's just frustrating getting up every half hour. Like, it's less, isn't it? I don't even know how long the side of a vinyl is. It's just frustrating. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, but if you bought CDs, well, pointless buying CDs, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the reasons why I started doing this is, remember that comedian I made us watch and I came back to the Netherlands that one time, James Acast? So he is convinced... Oh, he did something ridiculous, didn't he? Yeah, so he's convinced that 2016 is the greatest year of music of all time. And he's bought 500 albums from 2016. Uh, but he's bought them all as MP3s or whatever, he, so he's, he only has the digital copies. I think he mm-hmm. has some vinyls, but most of them, being a comedian, a proper comedian. I... Or he could just be lying full stop because it's an act. Well, I, I'm reading the book at the moment, and he's got some very strange albums, which we'll okay, check all right, out. All right. uh, One of them only had eight people who had bought it before. <laughs> he's gone deep. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but yeah, so because he's convinced that 2016 is the best year of music of all time, and I'm convinced it's not, but I don't have 500 albums, so I can't argue with it. So now I've got 300 albums that I've listened to, but I don't have a big enough sample size from any year to even get close to it. Yeah, all right. But what, what you could do 
is you could use a um, a viable source like NME or Rolling Stones or Rolling Stone. I should say. Right? Is that that's the magazine, right? Rolling Stone. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> um, and you could see there top one thousand albums or something, and then you could you could see where the best ones were coming from according to them. And I'm sure you'd you'd see a little bit of a pattern, and then you could just dive into that year. That was kind of what I was expecting to happen with this, is that I would see some sort of pattern or... Because I've also put which decade the music comes from, so I can see which right. decade should be the best. The problem is you can't objectively judge music. Um, yeah, you can't. You can't. If you, if, you believe, if you truly believe that you're superior to most other people, then you can't. Okay, so you can judge. <laughs> or at least in your mind. Um, but I, I ran into this issue where, like, for example, I wanted to listen to the Smashing Pumpkins one, so I was like, oh, I'll put on Siamese Drink. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it, and I was like, oh, this album's fucking amazing. And I, I was loving it. And I was like, all right, I'll put, now I'll go through and put this on the spreadsheet. And I was like, I was going to give this a high rating, like a nine or an eight or something like that. And mm-hmm. it turned out I'd already listened to it and only given it a six. <laughs> and so it was like, this is proven futile. Yeah, right. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's unfortunate. But it shows that the more you listen to something, the more you, the more you like it. I, I think, I think you're trying to, uh, trying to run before you can walk. I think you should choose... I don't know, say the 300 albums you've got or whatever, mm-hmm. and keep listening to them. Just on repeat. No, but but you've got to, haven't you? Like Nobody says, oh, that's my favourite album, I've only listened to it once. It's the more you listen to something, the more things you find out about it, and the more you understand it. And I don't know, and, and, and it's almost like, when you listen to an album you know, you know what song's coming next, and it, it's like, it creates that nostalgia feeling, and, and you're ready for it. It's like when, when you hear a couple of songs, and then somebody else has put something else on there, or they've suddenly turned it to shuffle. Mm-hmm. It's like hang, that's a, that's what well, that's not that's not right. It should be this one next. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and like I say, all the, all my favorite albums on this spreadsheet have all been they're all tied up with some sort of past event or past yeah. time of my life. Life was pretty good back then, and this album reminds me of that. <laughs> Compared to this misery I've got now. <laughs> yeah, well, we are speaking from lockdown, remember? I'm talking uh, yeah, about pub. Sucker. Tomorrow we can go to gardens. Beer garden. But how many beer gardens are there in Glasgow? Probably more than you think. I'm not sure. Those pale Glaswegians will be out in it. <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday because the pub's open again on the 15th. It's going to be absolute fucking carnage. It will be. But I don't know. Graham says it's not in Sheffield. He said um, there's loads of pubs that haven't even bothered opening. Really? Yeah, pubs that like that, that can't they can't be convinced that they're going to be able to follow the rules properly. Don't want to risk a, a fine. I guess some pubs which are probably earning more <laughs> through lockdown than they were before. Because they're on their arse anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, or pubs that just don't have the... They know, well, with these rules, we're not going to be able to bring enough people in. And we're probably going to lose money anyway. We're going to so, pubs, we're not talking about them. Unless you've got uh, some great live venue stories from Sheffield. Uh, I, I was trying to link it in somehow. There was um, one thing I want to talk about. I'm not sure... I, I've pushed you on this before and you've been reluctant to talk about it. Oh, God. Your punk days. Yeah. So, we've been talking about music, but you haven't brought up the fact that you were or are a musician. Well, it depends if you were... Uh, if you consider playing drums a, a musical instrument. Well, it depends on who's playing them, I guess. If Dave Gold plays them, yeah, it's an instrument. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I was talking about this with somebody else the other day, and I, it's because somebody said to me, oh, do you play an instrument? I said, oh, I used to play drums. They go, oh, yeah, but that's not an instrument. <laughs> it, it was a really offhand comment, but it actually made me think, well, yeah, it's not. It you can't create a melody from it. You can't... If somebody's playing a song on drums, it's very difficult to know what song they're playing. Most songs do just have the same drum beat. It, you're more of a... You're more of a timekeeper, aren't you? It's like, it's like saying, "Oh yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a manager of a band, so I'm a musician." I, I disagree because you need musicianship to play drums. 
yeah, you need leadership to. Uh, I, I I don't know. You you need to be able to keep rhythm to yeah. play drums, but you don't need to. I don't know. I think they're very very different skills. If you can if you can play piano, then you can transfer that to other musical instruments relatively easily because you understand scales, mm-hmm. you understand musical theory, you can read music that transfers between um, different instruments. You can't with drums. You can play other percussion instruments, and you can read music written for percussionists, but that's about it. I'm not going to be able to fill in for the bassist like the bassist can fill in for the, guitar- the guitarist. So, people are going to think I have a hard on for Dave Grohl. You definitely do. Yeah, a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, famous became famous as a drummer for Nirvana, and then became the guitarist in the Foo Fighters. And he, he looks at a guitar the same way he looks at drums. So he sees like the E and the A string as like the bass, the bass drum. And the other ones is the hi-hat and the snares. And then he just, he, he can't read music. He doesn't understand music theory. He just hits notes that he likes. Right. So, But I would I would never argue that the guitar work in any Foo Fighters songs is anything but average. I, sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that the guitar work and is... And he only, he only plays rhythm. Yep. So, uh, really, he just keeps the rhythm with a different instrument. <laughs> yeah. But, see, this, this is my point. It's still an instrument. Yeah. But, it, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, if it's not an instrument, what is it? No, well, I just don't think it can be considered, can be considered in the same uh, same category. It's, it's more like miraculous. It's like saying a whale's a fish. <laughs> yeah, it swims, it, it lives all its time in the sea, it looks like a fish, but it's not a fish. It's a mammal. They're just like aquatic animals. Yeah, well, that's it. So, yeah, yeah, it's an instrument in this broad category, but I think you should consider a band or a standard band to be made up of, you know, two instruments and a percussionist. Two instrumentalists and a percussionist. So yeah. Anyway, long story short, I don't play drums anymore. <laughs> Regardless. Regardless of how you want to categorize it. But you guys played punk music. Yeah. Hardcore punk. Start. Well, it started off going when we were about fifteen through a, a phase of no effects cover bands. A lot of nostalgia there. And then it's then it went towards heavy, like hardcore punk that was borderline theatrical. Uh, what do you and mean then borderline theatrical. Like you know, you know the kind of punk that you, you'd see in the seventies, with like where you'd see people with coloured Mohicans and the uh, the coats with all the badges on and everything. Yeah. And you look at it from the outside, and you think, wow, that's pretty hardcore. On the inside, it's about as hardcore as sitting at home with your nan sewing <laughs> or knitting, because you get these supposedly really hard guys who spend more time on their hair and makeup and decorating their own clothes than any. <laughs> should or normally would do once i kind of got past that phase then we went towards more thrash punk that was less up its own ass and more about actually creating some good sounds because then we started mixing it with um with kind of like rock and rolly bluesy thrash punk so you got more of a more of a melody what were your band uh, names i think one of the first ones was uh roy pemberton and the thumbs of doom <laughs> you were one uh, of the which yeah i was one of the thumbs i started off I started off as a drummer, actually, with that one, and then I, I became the uh, the lead vocalist and hype man. Yeah, we had a lot of thumb-related songs, and that was that was a lot of comedy songs in there as well. And then we, and then I was in one called Scarred for Life, which was a terrible side project of a ska band, which it was some some weird hybrid between like REM and Bowling for Soup, kind of this this crap. Right. That was a hor- that was a horrible one. I had, an, I had a couple more in there. The, the final one was Direct Arrest. That was our probably most successful one. How, how are you categorizing measuring? Uh, 
Yeah, a couple of good. Like we we were we played quite a lot of gigs on the local scene in Sheffield, and we also branched out. I think we went to Leeds and Doncaster, and it always got a good reception. So it was all like in the in the Yorkshire area, but it was always paid gigs. Yeah, fifty quid here and there between years. Yeah, but wasn't paid. <laughs> oh no, oh, definitely not. But it was, you know, it was the punk scene was was dying at that point anyway. Yeah, because this would be early 2000s, I guess. Mid 2000s? Yeah, mid 2000s, before this. It's just as dubstep came along. God, it's a horrible gift to dubstep. Yeah, right. So, yeah, 2006, 2007, something like this. But it was, you know, playing playing gigs to a load of people and getting some kind of appreciation was, was my level of, of being semi successful. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I never crazy. Never going to reach it. Well, yeah. We played gigs, we got. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. yeah it's pretty, pretty hard on a 14 year old ego. Yeah. Well, got me. What's the? I don't think what's I told the, you the story. Yeah. Go on then. Me and my mate, we both started playing guitar. <laughs> well, I'd played guitar when I was like, I think between like six and ten years old, and then gave it up for whatever reason. And then my mate started playing guitar again, so I was like, oh, I'll pick it up. Caught up to his skill level quite quickly because it was all still still there. We just kept playing Black Sabbath songs of all things. Paranoid was the easiest because yeah. anyone could play Paranoid. We decided we'd play Iron Man in the school talent show we started playing and i was going to sing bold decision to put my voice to vocals but um yeah anyway we were going to do it we were the first fucking act on on this talent show which is fucking worse the lunchtime talent show as well not even like a night time for whatever reason the microphone wasn't switched on so i just said started we'd gone through like this intro of iron man which is quite long and then i went to start singing and the fucking microphone wasn't on yeah. I remember just turning around looking at the other at my mate and he fucking shit the bed and just forgot what he was playing <laughs> so it was then just me just like sort of kind of strumming through the main riff of Iron Man and it like you could just tell he wasn't going to pick it up again so we just walked off and everyone was laughing at us and we're like I got called Iron Man for fucking years <laughs> and it was uh, not a highlight my fucking years Jesus what a sucker we played a few yeah, games after that we switched to Nirvana because it was easier. Yeah, once you uh, <laughs> once you got all that bullying and you start to feel a bit depressed. Yeah, well, that might have been part of it. We re- yeah. we sort of figured you couldn't shit the bed with Nirvana because worst comes to worst, they shit the bed most gigs anyway. But did you uh, did you mic check after this uh, point? No. Oh, you never did. All right, okay. I would have thought you'd learn a hard lesson. There's a reason that people stand up there saying check check one two. You know me, I don't learn lessons. <laughs> I just continue fumbling through life. Somebody else fucked up. It wasn't my fault. All right, of course. Never your fault. <laughs> oh, no. All right, well, back on onto these albums. Are you going to throw out a rating? I've got my spreadsheet Go here. I'm gonna, this is going to be controversial. Okay. I gave The Race for Space an 8. Well, that's, that's a strong score. A Dutch, a Dutch 8. Yeah, I still think you need, you know, I would have liked a decimal place, decimal point. Well, no, it's not happening. Okay. Yeah, all right. The problem with the Dutch system is you end up, it, it might as well just be a score of 1, 2, or 3. Because everything is either a six, seven, or an eight, and there's nothing else. Yeah, well, exactly. There, there have been a few fails. Yeah. The Beastie Boys. Which one? The big one. What? Il Comunicado. No, no. Um, License to Ill. Okay. The Drax Project. The New Zealand band. Okay. Uh, this will be very con. Boniver. Bon Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Yeah. Boniver. Yeah. He got a four or two. Oh shit. Twin Atlantic. The Glaswegian band. On Jeff Rosenstock. No, no. And Fleet Fox. No. Oh, that's a shame. Five. Anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> it's not just, we're just gonna, soon this podcast will just be me reading off my spreadsheet. 
Yeah, well, yeah. I think just uh, as soon as you m- mentioned the word spreadsheet, everyone turned off. Well, whoever's listening. <laughs> All three listeners. Were like, what? And yeah, this will be controversial. This this is the controversial part. I gave the Modest Mouse the album a ten. A ten. A ten. So nothing's better. Well, that's not funny. This is this is this is what's ridiculous with it with a ten point scale. <laughs> you give you give something a ten, and that's it. It's perfect. And something can only ever match this, but nothing can be better. Yep. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, you're fucking mental. It's because this is what I'm saying. It's, it's an album I listen to heaps. I listen to it heaps while I was in Stockholm for whatever reason. And but you yourself have just mentioned all the flaws with the album. Yep. There's no album without flaws. I can tell around you. <laughs> well, I, I think, yeah, I think, you, <laughs> I think your scoring system has just made this whole this whole process futile. It's pointless. Well, I already told you it was pointless with the, the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, well, true, yeah. All right, well, I think you're wrong. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> There's not a surprise. I, I would have given it a, uh, a 6.8. Okay, I'm happy with that. Like, it, it, it's, it's a solid album, and I think if, you, if I could rework it, maybe, I'll, maybe what I'll do... Get in touch with them. ...is I'll get these... Um, no, I'll, I'll put these in the order that I'd like to listen to them. I'm not putting them in the point you're just listing the song order. No, 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 but I mean for myself. Right. I'll, listen, I'll keep listening to the album, and I'll try and find a way that I, I could work it in to make it a better album. And yeah. maybe I'll send you the track listings and you could try listening to it in that order. And what are you giving... Then maybe it'll be 10.2. <laughs> what are you giving public service broadcast? 11. Well, this is its final tap. There's no 11th. <laughs> well, it has to be. Because I think it's better than the Modest Mouse album. And if Modest Mouse is a 10, this has to go higher. So it's 11. No, but you've just said Modest Mouse is a 6.8. Yeah, okay, right. Where, where would I put it? On a... You, you can fuck up your own system, but my system's already fucked up and I don't need other people fucking with it. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'd give it a 7.5. It's a first, it's a strong first, but um, yeah, but obviously it, it's a concept album and it's in some ways kind of alternative prog rock or whatever, you know, it's it's very much on its own. It's almost like a, an art house film. You appreciate it because it's, it's low budget and they've managed to do fantastic things with only three actors, but at the same time, it's just not quite the spectacle of Rocky 2. It's one of those albums where it's like if an album turns out it's like recorded by some guy in his bedroom, you're like, holy shit, this is amazing now. And I think with this album, you need the backstory. You need to understand that they've trawled through all these old recordings, that they've made made stories out of just little pings on a guitar. And that, for me, is, is what makes it, especially with the, with the follow-up that they released a couple of years back about the Welsh miners, you know, where they went to this Welsh town and they got a load of flack for being English boys trying to, like, posh, rich English boys trying to empathise and understand Welsh miners. But in reality, they went to the town, they spoke to people, they interviewed people. They, you know, they, they lived and breathed what the miners have been through. Cold us. Yeah, they came out with black lung. A lot of them. They're they're all in intensive care now. Might have got kicked out. You know, coronavirus. <laughs> so that, that I think knowing that it makes me appreciate the albums more. And do you have an album you want to recommend as we close this for the, the general public? For the, for the general, not for you to listen to another another point. Oh, I might listen. No, but I'll I'll give you an LP. The Decline by No Effects. I've never listened to it. No well, this this is an LP. It's one song, eighteen minutes long, which is about the decline of humanity. Oh God! It takes you on a, a whirlwind adventure with a uh, a full string orchestra mm-hmm. and some epic drumming for eighteen minutes. And he he did he does actually occasionally perform it live. And I don't know how he does it because it, it's frantic drumming. Yeah, um, that's a great one. I was thinking of Queens of the Stone Age, like Clockwork, because um, it's another concept album. I've told you my issue with Queens of the Stone Age, haven't I? No. Some last that I uh, had a, a one-night stand with years back, uh, for a few years back. 
before I met Chris. <laughs> Will you drop yourself in? <laughs> yeah, as we were getting down to it, she put on the Queens of the Stone Age album, Full Blast. Which one? And oh, I can't remember which one it was. I haven't listened to Queens of the Stone Age since. It was terrifying. <laughs> it, was, it was very loud, and she just basically uh, she just used me. <laughs> on that happy note. Queens of the Stone Age, what is it? Go on, I'll like, listen to it. Like Clockwork? Like Clockwork. I'm not putting you through a traumatic episode again. Bring mm. you back PDS. Start shaking a bit. Alright, well, I'll give it a go. Um, Alright, Jim. You finally um, pinned me down. Yeah, Jesus, that was difficult. I'm a busy man. Wow, yeah. Getting drunk at work. <laughs> Must be hard. Hey, I, I, I've not done that anymore. Although I am still drinking a lot. I think these are for uh, uh, non-podcast conversations. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right, well... Shit. You dropped your phone. Most people don't have... You technical... there? Yeah, most people don't have technical difficulties right at the end of a podcast. Well, I do, because Christy's just started the hairdryer. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed doing this, because... Like I said, it's made me, made me actually listen to an album properly and yeah. give it some thought. So I would like to do it again at some point. Yeah. Well, I'm Even just for the crack, like a book club. Yeah, well, I'm still locked in my house. So there's no reason why I'm going to keep going ahead. Um, even, well, like I said, even if it's not for recording purposes, just to have a little bit of a chat about it, it's, it's quite nice. 